We had, a great, we had a great time last week. It was really fun to just watch the kids um, preach the gospel through song. It was just great. And the week before that, we closed our series on buy-in. And buy-in, we were talking about um, where we feel the Lord is leading us as a church family. And we explained four things, four big key things that we just kind of defined over that series. Can you tell me what those four things are? Anyone, shout them out. Prayer, community, mission, and discipleship. Thank you. Yeah. Discipleship. So prayer, mission, community, and discipleship. And those things cannot be separated from one another. You can't do one and not do the other, okay? And it comes out of a place of being with Jesus. So what we're going to be doing um, starting the second week in May is... um, We'll begin a spring and summer series where we will go into depth on those four big things and what they actually um, look like here at Bridgewood. Experiences and all that stuff. And so we're really excited about that. But before we do that, what's happening next week? Easter. Easter. He is risen indeed. Yeah. I never thought I'd say that again. I used to be like... Just anti-establishment, and I would never say it, and now I'm saying it. So, the Lord does change a heart. Believe that. So, as we shift between uh, this series of buy-in and the next series that we'll be in, which is going to be, which is called "Prepare Ye the Way," we want to posture ourselves. We want to re-evaluate um, where we are and where we need to be as we continue to move forward. What does our posture need to look like? Well, before you have Easter, you have today. And what's today? Palm Sunday. Now, show of hands, how many of you grew up in the church? Okay. Now, I'm assuming that most of you had some kind of tradition that you you did on Palm Sunday and Easter. Yes? You had something unique and specific. Can anyone mention something that might be different than, say, the, the standard of just the palms? Anyone do anything unique? And Palm Sunday, I'm just curious. Anybody? Nobody? Just standard palms and, yeah, standard palms. All right. All right. Well, when I was um, in high school, I was a competitive wrestler. And I took it very seriously, and I kind of started late in my high school career. So I started wrestling when I was, I guess, sophomore. And my junior year was my first finals match. Now, that's like a big deal for wrestlers. It's one-on-one all the attention is on you. Mark Zamora used to wrestle, and uh, so he knows. And um, so I remember, I, I get to the finals match, and I know what they do. They, the, the, um, all the lights go out, and they put a spotlight in the middle of the mat. And you feel like you're big stuff. Right? You do. And before the match starts, what they do is they have everyone... Um, run out and you meet your opponent and you shake their hands in the middle of this spotlight. And so I was really excited. I had my hood on, you know, I tried to look intimidating. It never worked for me. Um, And then I had my backpack on because for some reason that was a cool thing to do. And you had it like hiked up. So like the bottom of it's right here. Right, Mark? It still is. is. I don't know what it is. And so I'm I'm ready. I'm standing. I, I hear I'm next. They call the guy out that I'm supposed to face. So he goes out there. I'm ready for my name to be called. Hundreds of people there. 
I'm excited. And I'm ready for my family to cheer me on, right? Because they say your name and they're ah, right? At least that's the dream. And I'm going, man, this entrance is going to be amazing. I'm so pumped. And so here they go at 135 pounds from La Jolla High School. Brand Dune Friendly. <laughs> and I'm like, do I go? Immediately deflated, right? But I thought, at least my family will cheer for me. And as they say my name, and I kind of just go like, you know, I, I run out there like this, crickets. My family had to go before the finals match. So my friends and family had left. And you hear like three guys on my team go, hey. <laughs> Bummer. Totally not what I had pictured in my mind. Was not the reception I thought I would get, right? And um, so it was really challenging for me. And I remember that just, it deflated me so much. And uh, as we look, as we look at the, the scriptures today in Palm Sunday, we see that Jesus has an entrance that doesn't meet expectation as well. But it blows our minds. It is something beyond what we could have imagined coming from the king of the world. Coming from, did I just accidentally quote Titanic? King of the world, is that what they said? I, so that just rang, triggered something. But the king of the universe, here he is, and he comes into Jerusalem on a what? Donkey. Not what they expected. Not what they expected. But it's what they got, and it's a beautiful picture. Now, if you have your Bible, we want to encourage you to bring your Bible every Sunday because sometimes I'm just going to test everybody and not have it on the screen and just see what you got. And, and, and I don't even care what translation you have, um, but that you bring your Bible. See, so if you have it on your phone, if you have it on an iPad, whatever, and if you don't have one, see if your neighbor does and just kind of cuddle up to them and, and look at it. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11. Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11. Now, we're going to see something pretty spectacular here. And I, and I want you to take note of some of the things that you see, because we've heard this, many of us have heard this story over and over. But hopefully today we'll glean some new uh, perspectives, um, and if not new for you, help refreshing it for you, um, so that as we move into Easter, we have a better understanding of what our posture needs to look like. Has anyone ever watched the Academy Awards? Yeah? I mean, it used to be like a big thing in my house until we stopped paying for cable and all that stuff. And we used to get our grids out, you know. And um, I know Shanna loves watching, and I do too. I'll just confess. You want to see what everyone's wearing, right? And they come down a red what? Carpet. Yeah, they come down a red carpet. And they've got, what, what do you see when they come down the red carpet? What do you see? Paint me the picture. Cameras everywhere flashing, right? You see reporters everywhere. Yep, sign my autograph, all of that. Photo bombs everywhere, right? You see that? And they get this wonderful reception as they walk in, people screaming and people, ah, right? And you got Brad Pitt looking, and you see the twinkle in his teeth. And 
you got those kind of guys. Well, as we'll see here, again, Jesus gets a better reception. And, he, and we'll see why. Starting in verse 1. As they, being Jesus and his disciples, approached Jerusalem and came to Bethage of the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of them and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up and asked, Who is this? Then the crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Now that's loaded with imagery, isn't it? First off, let's look at this. When Jesus sends two of his disciples to go and fulfill what the prophets had said years and years and years before, this is what he says in verse 3. If anyone says anything to you, say that the what needs them? The Lord. So he identifies himself as the Lord. It's the first thing. So he's, he's making it known that he has the authority. Okay, that's key here. He has the authority. And as they approach Jerusalem, now remember, Jerusalem is the religious center of the people in Israel. This is where the messianic expectations are, meaning those who are waiting for essentially Jesus, not knowing it, but the Messiah to come. This was the religious center. You had the who's who of teachers in, this, in Jerusalem. You had guys that knew the law, but they didn't recognize or wouldn't recognize Jesus. So, let's be clear on what he's coming into, okay? He's coming into a place that feels they know their stuff. But you'll see that a lot of them, and we do in Scripture, they miss him. So he's riding a donkey and a colt. You see two things there, right? You see two animals there. And sometimes it can get a little confusing when you're reading this because it seems like he's riding two at the same time. That's not happening He's riding a colt, and because colts are young, they brought the mother along to calm the colt as Jesus was riding into Jerusalem. Does that make sense? Okay. And so he's riding on a donkey. Is that a chariot? A stallion? No, right? I mean, Juan Valdez rides a donkey, doesn't he, the coffee guy? I'm not <laughs> smart. And so it's it's a humbling circumstance, is it not? This is the king of the universe and he's riding a donkey. And so 
this, this imagery doesn't really give us a depiction of the expectation we would have of the king of the universe. Riding into this procession of Hosanna, which means, literally means, oh, save. And so they're yelling, save us. And they throw their cloaks on the road. Now, this is key. This is really important. Because when we think about what they throw on the road, what do, what do we hear? Cloaks and what? Palms, right? Okay? They throw down. They don't have red carpets necessarily unless you're royalty, right? So they're throwing down what they have. Is that fair to say? Okay. That's how we would approach it. Well, why palms? Why, why are there cloaks and all this? Well, it's what they have. No, not just what they have. There's deep significance in the Hebrew culture because when you throw down a cloak, that means submission to the king. So it's not just them throwing down something and recognizing that Jesus, a prophet, is coming through. It's the cloak is a representation of their loyalty to Jesus, saying to him, Hosanna, Hosanna, Save us, O King, we submit to you. Now that's just the cloaks and the robes. What about the branches? The branches are a Hebrew sign of victory. They would put it on their coins. They would, they would, they would hang up um, palm branches and decorate their synagogues with the palms because it's victory. It's a symbol of their nation. So that kind of changes maybe how we perceive um, this entrance that Jesus makes. The response of the people is, you're our king, we submit to that, and we know that in you there's victory, just by the things they laid on the ground. That's what that communicates to us based off the cultural context. Does that make sense? So this is a neat, significant thing. So Jesus comes down, and it's, it's a humbling thing. Every, everyone I know, um, pastor, leader, that, that teaches this stuff will say, Jesus came in with humility. It was a humble entrance. And that might be true, and I think it is. But sometimes what we do with the word humility is feel like we have to diminish oneself in order to be humble. Has anyone ever done that? You go, man, I'm not good at that. No, 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 no. I do it all the time. And we, we call that humility. We dumb ourselves down or diminish our value outwardly so that we can feel that we're posturing ourselves in some way that we're beneath God and that we're being humble. Has anyone done that other than me? Let me see those hands. Okay. I, I don't like being left alone up here. Right? And so... I have, because of that, I have trouble receiving things. When people give me a gift, especially out of the blue, like on your birthday and Christmas, you kind of expect you might get a gift, right? But when someone just gives you a gift, there's no occasion for it. There's no reason for it. I have a hard time at receiving that. Anybody have a hard time receiving? Yeah, it's terrible. And for some reason, we think it's noble. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I think it's noble. I'm like, oh, I'm saying no to a blessing, which is kind of dumb because that's all God wants to do is bless his people. And so what we see here is a a picture of a God who humbles himself but receives in the midst of his humility the praise of his people. 
Do you see him rejecting it? No. Do you see him gloating in it? No. But he receives it. So we're looking at different postures because when we talk about moving in the call that God has for us here at Bridgewood Community Church, it's about what our posture towards him and one another will be like that will determine whether we're ready to receive what he has for us. Because sometimes we just, we're just shut off to receiving things, even from God. Shame, guilt, fear, those kind of things come in the way of that. Have you ever woken up and you're just like, man, I don't even want to connect with anybody, not even God. Anyone ever done that? I just want to be to myself, right? Is that a good posture? Are you ready to receive the blessings of Jesus and the things he wants to do with you during the day? No. <laughs> but what we see here is a people that their posture is they're ready to receive. And the things that we see from these people crying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. First, we see submission, a posture of, here I am, Lord, send me. We see uh, a posture of celebration, right? These guys are partying out. They're rocking out the best way they can. They're taking the deepest symbols of their culture, and they are throwing it literally at the feet of Jesus, and that's a sign of celebration and submission. Thirdly, joy. Joy. And it's easy to say, well, Jesus is right there. Why wouldn't you be joyful? But joy is more than just the circumstances being right. It's can we be joyful in the midst of circumstances that aren't right? And we're told in Matthew 2, Matthew says, Israel was troubled. And this is in Matthew 2 when we see Jesus is born. He's born into a time where Israel is troubled. And then we see here his presence as he's brought in on a donkey stirs things up. And people are asking, who is this? So he's breathing new life into a place that has been troubled for so long. So long. And here's the most important one to me. They postured themselves ready to receive hope. And it's hard for me to say that without crying because isn't hope one of the things we want every day and need every day? And I'm going to ask you to be vulnerable with me right now because I know I do in situations need hope. Could you raise your hand if you're in a season where you need some hope? Guess what? You have it. The question is, will you receive it? That's the question. And it's hard to see. And, and, and it's easier said than done because it's, it's more complicated that when you've got emotions going on. And you have, well, where is there hope when I see a history of no hope? How is there hope for today or tomorrow when I haven't seen it in my timeline? Well, a lot of these people hadn't either, but there it was. And they postured themselves in a way they were like, I'm ready. Here's my cloak. I submit to you. I may not feel like it, but I'm gonna. And Mark alluded to this. Pastor Mark alluded to this um, when we talked about um, community. He said relationship is what? Anyone remember? Inconvenient. So why are we here? Why did God create us? For what? Relationship, absolutely. And relationship is inconvenient. 
And we don't always want to posture ourselves to receive the blessing of a relationship. Right? I mean, those of us that are married, sometimes we come home and we're annoyed with our spouse and we don't want to receive what the blessings that they have or they could give us or we could give them, right? I'm mad. I'm going to go pout. Okay? And it's hard because it's inconvenient. So we see our challenge, right, of, of how we need to posture ourselves, the challenge that prevents us from posturing ourselves in a way to receive. It's a very challenging thing, but I'll tell you what. We have to learn because God wants us to so badly. He wants us to receive so badly. He wants to pour on us his blessings in abundance, and we have to stop thinking we're undeserving. That's another challenge that gets in the way. I don't deserve it. Well, yeah, you don't, and neither do I. But we have to learn where we can go, I'm going to take it, though, because he loves you regardless. He loves you, and he wants to bring us into healing and wholeness. And I tell you, nothing gives me a greater example of that, of God's love, and how he just wants us to receive something um, than when I come home every day and I walk through my front door. Because when I walk home through my front door, and it's one of the most exciting times for me, my daughter goes, Daddy! She just freaks out. And it was like, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy! And she's ready to play with me. She's ready to annoy me. She's ready to do all those things, right? She's, she's ready to receive me. And I go, man, Scripture is so true when, when Jesus says, unless you're like one of these, you're not going to see the kingdom of God because these little ones know how to receive me. And he'll even say in the next chapter, in chapter 22, he'll even say, he'll quote Psalm 8, and he'll say, on the lips of children and infants will be my praise because they know how to receive me. And as a father, I know how to receive my daughter. I'm learning that. And I want her to receive all the, the good things I want to give her. Sometimes she puts on these tantrums that are just so frustrating, you don't want to give her anything, right? And then sometimes I'll give her a piece of chocolate just so she'll be quiet. Bad parenting 101, by the way. I don't do it often. But you can see as a parent how much you want your children to receive the gifts that you give them, the blessings. My daughter has no problem receiving stuff. <laughs> if anything, she does the silently more, more, more. She was, wouldn't it be amazing if that's how we posture ourselves? More, God, I'm receiving this. Give me more hope. Give me more joy. Give me more of your love and grace. Fill me up. I'm ready to go. That is the posture I see here. When we think about Palm Sunday, it's not just the fulfillment of Scripture, which is extremely important. It's not just this triumphant entry. It's a moment of hope for us. Because what he does following that is what we'll celebrate on Friday and Sunday. And it's the reason for hope. And what we see is a people that identify that hope. And you see it just spring out. They do everything they think they can think of to honor him. And they're ready. It's a pretty cool thing. So we've got these challenges ahead of us because we can't, we can't do mission 
We can't do prayer. We can't do discipleship. I'm forgetting another one. We can't do community with Jesus if we're not ready to receive from him. Jesus' entry was almost preparing us to receive what was coming next. Here it comes. Here it comes. And there are so many people that were right there, these teachers of the law, these holy people. They missed hope. They missed joy. And they can't celebrate the way we can celebrate because they refused to see him. They challenged him. They asked him questions, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, but they didn't do it because they were open to hear what God had to say. They wanted to disprove him so that they could condemn him and get rid of him because he was bringing hope everywhere. The broken, emotionally, physically, and spiritually, were being healed left and right wherever he went because they could recognize hope and they could receive it. And so here's my challenge to you and to myself. We've got Easter coming up, and, and it is a great time to invite people, isn't it? Right? It's one of the, the years, or one of the days during the year that we are intentional about inviting people. And I want that to continue, but I want, it to, I want us to understand that it's got to be an everyday thing to ask the Lord, who do you want me to invite into community with you? And the challenge to do it. And it can't just be Easter, but Easter is a great springboard for that. And let me tell you why we invite people. It's not so you fill seats. It's not. And it can't be. Because then you're not offering hope. You're just feeding your own ego. We invite people so that they can experience authentic community with God's people and with Him. We connect people to God by connecting them to one another. Because you can't have one without the other. You can't do life with Jesus by yourself. And you can't just do life with people and not with Jesus. Both things have to happen. And there are people that need to hear this word of hope. And who's going to share that with them, if not us? The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And it's not about just the task, it's about the response to go with Jesus. Because we love him, and we've taken a posture of submission and joy, and want to be agents of change and of hope. So I want to challenge you to pray about those people that you need to invite into community. Because I really believe God is building authentic, intentional community here. And I hope you can see that. I mean, and, and I'm, I'm going to brag on you. Because I don't know a lot of church families that can joke the way we joke and go with the flow the way we go with the flow. That's family. And I hope that encourages you. There are people that need to be brought into that kind of community. Because that brings hope. Because we know the Lord of the universe and we love him. And he loves us. Whether we deserve it or not, we got it. We got to learn to take it. So what is our posture going to be as God continues to move at Bridgewood Community Church? We've got to be ready to receive. And it's hard. And I'm going to be tested with this as soon as I leave this place. Seriously. 
Something's going to happen where I have to receive something. And I'm going to have to be like, okay, thank you. And not go, I get you next time. Right? Who does that? Someone buys you lunch and you're like, I get it next time. Well, don't diminish the gift by thinking you have to pay it back. Right? Oh, gosh, I'm preaching out myself pretty harshly here. Shanna's going to remind me on the way home. So our posture is key in moving forward so that hope can take its place in our hearts so that we can give that to others. Is that pretty clear? Okay. Well, um, be thinking and asking the Lord who you need to invite into community. And there are some of you that, that are not even in a place where you know how to invite someone right now because there's healing that needs to happen in your life. And we've got prayer teams available. You can always talk to um, myself, some of the other pastors on the staff. And we've got a great um, prayer team. We've got great lay leaders. If you need to know who they are, we'll point you to them. Okay, but this is really important stuff. This is really important. So we're going to go in a time of offering and communion. As we do that, ask that question. Okay, ask that question. Would you please join me in prayer? Lord, we, uh, we worship you and we praise you and we thank you for who you are. Not just what we get from you, but just simply who you are. It just astounds me. Lord, we don't want to complicate things. Today's just a simple message. We've got to get ready to receive from you your hope, your love, your grace, and your mercy so that we can help usher others into that. And we, just don't, we don't want to just be Christmas and Easter Christians. We want to be everyday followers of Jesus that have learned to live with you and with your people. That's what we want, Lord. So we pray that you protect us. and and bless us as we continue to walk out this journey of being an authentic and intentional community with you and with each other for the sake of your kingdom. And Lord, as you expand your kingdom, we, we offer our tithes to you to take them and bless them, to expand your kingdom. May we see that everything, including our money, our resources, is yours. You give in abundance. So I pray that we would trust you. Even when the circumstances are tough, we would trust you. It's the least we can do for how wonderful and gracious and loving you are. So we pray that you would bless our offerings this morning. Pray as we come to the table for communion that we would... um, Simply focus on who you are and that you see us and that you know us and you call us by name and that we have great value to you. Because what you did on the cross and in that tomb is a reflection of that. And so we take communion and remembrance of what you've done and what you're doing and what you're going to do. So we thank you, Lord, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.